side of the crew. Ind Så er vi godt? Nej, ikke fucker. Vi er bare kændt i rum. Nej, vi er bare ikke. Literally bare kændt i rum. Nej, det er sådan noget med, like, ret til be recording again on something other than Zoom, near fans to Zoom, it's probably been oh, no, a lifesaver for people's sanity over the course of the last six months or so, including mine, but ah, yeah, it's absolutely. nice to actually like, look somebody in the eye in person and have a, a conversation for once. Aye, ah, for sure. I looked back at my WhatsApp messages, um, I mean obviously like, no, obviously to me and you, I've been made redundant, um, probably one of the only guys at this time in that is actually fucking happy about getting made redundant, but... Aye, you've been waiting a while, haven't you? Delighted all the same, but I was looking back through... Um, for a watch night out on Saturday night, and I don't know why, man, I was just pissed, and I was looking back through the group chat messages, and there was a, a message for me in, like, February explaining what Zoom was to somebody, and I was thinking, <laughs> how rapid does shit just go wild, man, that <laughs> no, it's probably one of the most recognisable brands on the planet, and... I know even fucking three, four months ago I was having to explain to somebody it's like Skype except you can record and it's just a bit better and blah, blah, blah. But aye, man, it's good to yeah, like, They've been handy. Had we had it in the first few weeks when I was recording on a gaming headset and sound like fucking Darth Vader. <laughs> exactly, mate. But um, I think like that was something that, you know, I was like having a think about this no so long ago, maybe a couple of days ago, that when it came to the like, podcasts and shit, <clears throat> It used to be a very like elitist sort of thing where I would be like, and we need the mics, we need the setup. I mean, obviously we're in an improved Aye. production setup. The now we like the lights and stuff that I've got, but we need the the mics, the setup needs to be like sat down. And I think like genuinely the one of the best things for like especially Scottish podcasters where we don't have London or if you're known LA or New York or somewhere where you're getting like these big massive high profile people coming through the door. I think this is probably gonna be liberating for a lot of it where you Aye. find you can attract people to come in video call you that wouldn't normally do it. I know we had done it maybe once or twice and we kinda like mm, don't really like that. But yeah. I think getting all that hurdle or just accepting it getting used to it it'll yeah we were connecting like phones to bluetooth and all the rest of it in the early days weren't we mm-hmm. but i think it'll be liberating for people and i think it'll mean that podcasts in scotland and maybe even just further afield anywhere in the world will start to get I better quality a, i guess you know i think I mean? there's a couple of good examples not necessarily but well i suppose there is a couple of good ones i guess obviously um derek at dw ended up with amanda knox which was you know congratulations on an absolutely massive Fucking one right. there like um, but mere in general, like guys like you know Twenty Three Universe and you call that radio. I mean, these are guys who we've had a bit of interaction with ourselves. They've gone five nights a week because they can just log in on Zoom and stuff like that. And it's been, I think, uh, Mark McGowan at you call that radio was celebrating like a hundred episodes during lockdown. Now, I mean, had we tried anything like that? I'd, I would have went like literally insane. Aye, and apart from shit to talk about. <laughs> apart from, uh, you know, except aye, that I went partially insane during most of this, I think, to be honest with you, as, as probably the case with a lot of folk, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. But uh, aye, there's definitely been like seismic kind of like overnight changes because like the podcasting scene was already getting like explosive in terms of like the amount of people getting involved. And like, I think when folks seen that they could knock it together on 
you know, their iPad with Zoom and, you know, GarageBand, like, aye, there's definitely a lot of folk that jumped in. I think it was a good thing for a lot of, like, stand-ups and stuff like that, you know what I mean? The people that maybe dusted off old podcasts or, like, started new ones where they were able to actually maybe, like, trial some material and, like, keep themselves busy and whatever else. So, aye, there's definitely been, like, some really positive changes in, like, the overall scene. Mm-hmm. A lot more competition, unfortunately, in the way. <laughs> aye, I suppose, but, I mean... It, it's good to see, like you're saying, it, it, it's good to see people just actually just taking the plunge and starting their own podcasts, just doing their own stuff because they, they can do it. Like, we're all kind of like on an even sort of pegging. Mm-hmm. If you can't attract people to come in and sit down in front of you, then you can just get them on video call. Just saying maybe a wee bit more competition. But, I mean, for me, like, part of my post-redundancy plan is to be a podcast producer. Yep. And I have done it before in the past. Um, I did. I actually did Derek's first three or four episodes. Helped him get it off the ground, and I think what became apparent to him was that you don't need yeah to become. I mean, the boys in Motherwell, you don't need to be coming through to Glasgow to do a podcast. You could just date yourself, type thing, which is amazing. Um, obviously, like what we've got planned in the coming sort of months to get up, hopefully get off the ground is going to be something that's a wee bit more. Yeah, like a high quality podcast right. then then people jumping on zoom and that's no shade to people that are going to continue to date on zoom but absolutely not um we're looking to do more like i would say like the open gold guys are doing in a venue but we like a sort of professional sound mm-hmm. and thing with production but I suppose we, we can talk a wee bit more about that like in the coming things but i absolutely man i think it's great to see a lot of podcasts get off the ground and a lot of people just bite the bullet on things that they and I think that's something actually that's across the board. It's not just with podcasts. I think you've seen a lot of people because they've had so much time. And mm. I suppose this comes back to like what we talk about with universal basic income where people are actually like, I'm gonna get my art page started, I'm gonna get this half yeah. I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. And I suppose like what I would like to see is that people continue to do these passion projects when they go back to work because yeah. these are the things that actually keep you sane. Do you know what I, I mean? So I think it's the, the one thing I would hope in that respect is that folk are able to keep it moving because I think as we began our journey and, as you say, interacted with a few other folk about it, like um, keeping it going in your own time when you actually have jobs is the difficult part. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of folk who... I've had great ideas and great formats and they've got like five, six episodes in and, and not been able to maintain it just because of their commitment. So I think that'll be the big balancing act for the people that have kicked off during the lockdown is how they maintain it and, and keep it going and hopefully, you know, as many of them as possible are able to do that because mm-hmm. I think Glasgow does have a pretty, like, vibrant, like, podcasting scene at the moment. I remember days where all you could ever get was, like, Celtic and Rangers football podcasts, you know what I mean? Like, um, but it goes everywhere from mainstream all the way down to, as you say, somebody sitting in their bedroom with an iPad now, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so the more variety and the more people coming to the table, you know, the better it is for everybody, I think. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's it, man. But, I mean, suppose we could just talk about, like, how shit's been for us since, I mean, when was the last time we did an episode with just me and you? It's been... Probably in the early weeks of lockdown when we were still trying to figure out what else to, what else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, was a lot, I had a lot of enthusiasm for... What was going to happen during lockdown, and what was what what was going to come out the other side of it? And I think, like reflecting back on that, no, lot it's actually happened. Do you know what I mean? It's I'm kind of in the same boat. For me, lockdown has been a really kind of quite odd experience, and that it's very akin to like previous instances I've had an absence where 
long-term mental health issues I've adjusted to medication and treatment and whatever else in the past where I would have been off work for two, three, four months at a time. This is obviously years ago. I'm much more in control now that that's not the case. But, you know, getting the furlough and realising, oh, maybe I thought three, four weeks, and now we're into like month five or six, and I'm still in the process of being furloughed. Mm-hmm. Um, I that length of time has been comparable. Um, unfortunately for me, anytime I've been in that long term absence scenario, I've always like hunkered down and just tried to ride it out and survive. Mm. And I think to an extent, maybe that's partially what I've done a lot. I know some of the gaps we've had in recent weeks have just been about the fact that I've completely not been engaged in and really very much of what's been going on. Um, so, you know, something to work on for me there. But I, you know, I think I'm not alone in that fact that, you know, lockdown came running with almost, almost as much as we knew there was a real serious thing there. Some of us thought, oh, can we break? It'll be nice. And, you know, we'll just, you know, set the Netflix and the PlayStation. It'll be cool. Mm-hmm. But I, as it's progressed, it's become, for me, very much a slog. Like where, mm-hmm. you know, motivation and that are just stuff that, yeah, have escaped me at times you know yeah, I mean? and i think when i look around on social media i've seen quite a lot of that and fortunately for me this isn't the first time i've been on this road but for a lot of other folk finding themselves in similar situations have maybe never had any sort of long-term absence and i mm-hmm. know you know people that have worked all their lives finding themselves idle for half a year and you know mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of folk out there don't know what to do with themselves and yeah but- i think we could be harsh on each other and be like oh we thought we were going to do so many positive things at the start of this but it didn't pan out but I don't know, man. I'm, I'm trying to cut myself some slack, so I would probably encourage other people to do the same. Aye, for sure. Do you think it would have been easier for you if... I mean, I can remember us talking sort of... Mm. No, even, no, sceptically, I don't know, like sort of predicting that this might be a wee bit longer than what they told us. Do you think it would have been easier on people mentally if they had got the honest... like Because back when they locked down, right, I remember them saying, oh, this is every three weeks. We're going to review this every three weeks. And there were some sort of sections of media and, and just general people on socials gone, well, if you look at the places that are like coming out to the other side yeah. at that time, it's going to be mill at three months here. And it's ended up, what, we're at month five, like about to head into month Easy. six. I mean, my current status is that I could be anywhere up until the end of October. So, I mean, I'm in a situation where I was going to have expecting to be three, four weeks in by the end of this, could be, be seven. could be seven months. Right. Do you I think it would have been easier on you mentally if you could have been told, look, this is months, no weeks? Um, I will review it every three weeks, but it's going to be at least six. It's going to be at least eight weeks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, maybe, I don't know. Like, I, 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 for me, it's been muscle memory. The minute my, you know, sort of psyche or whatever recognised this, you know, malaise, this sort of idleness, like, as I say, I've just went into like survival mode and just like bedded down and been like, right, just get to the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of that would have changed because I don't think I would have ever had anything else to compare it to anyway, having no been long-term unemployed in my life or any of these types of things. So I think it would have always been my point of reference. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure how, I think that's why I'm trying not to give myself as much stick as I'm, I maybe normally would for, you know, an activity and an action is that, I didn't have anything else to like base the approach on. And I think, as I say, there's a lot of folk in that scenario where this is something that they've never had to really sort of consider. And I, we're all just kind of like fumbling about in the dark trying to find something that works for us, I think. Aye, man. I think what's wild about it as well is that we're thinking back on March and it was all, it had like 
very much like a feeling of like we're all in this together. Um, but yeah. then seeing as the weeks and months have progressed, we're all going through the same thing by and large. Like obviously, like there's there's mad variables in there, but we're all going through. Well, there's a vast majority of people, or a lot of people, are going through what you're talking about. Like, I mean, I've I've never had any more than three weeks off work since I was. Ah, there's a reason that people probably. only take two week holidays because Aye. after three weeks, you're starting to be like, "What the fuck is happening here? I need to go and do something." Mm-hmm. But I've not had that any longer than that half work, and probably about since I was about thirteen. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not even like lying. I forgot to take the paper runs. Not I forgot to like getting up every. I mean, the likes. Some of the fucking paper runs that I did on a Sunday are hard on the fucking job I've been doing for the past 15 years. So <laughs> we're going to like sit there and, and, and engage that. But aye, since I've been about 13 year old, I've steady had a job. I went three weeks unemployed in between walking at McDonald's and getting a, a Christmas temp job in Virgin Megastore because I told them to ram it when they withdrew my holidays to go to Benidorm one year. And I was like, fuck this. Like, aye. you can stick your job up your arse and walk to it. I had a three week period where I was like temp working super drugs so even that three weeks unemployment that i've experienced at like 19 mm. i've still been making some cash i've still been keeping my mind going and, and it's very different but we've all kind of experienced this like sort of pause button being put and it, i'm finding it I, i've actually found it tough look at the pause button right? mm-hmm. i've found it tough coming out the other side yet and i i don't even i've not even had time to sit down and really like have a have a good long think about it last week was for sure the toughest week I've had in lockdown. Like mm. I, I experienced anxiety last week that I've not experienced in about four or five years. Yeah, I did have. I have. I'm going through redundancy, and obviously, like, even though I'm saying I'm absolutely delighted that I'm getting paid off, I'm getting a good payoff. I still um, a process, man. It, it's. I've got doubt, like sort of coming in and going because I'm being offered things. Well, yeah. people are phoning <clears> my mobile, <throat> and when I'm picking up, they're like, "You need to go and talk to this guy." They're saying that they might. Why aren't you going down? I'm just like, look, I've made my mind up and gonna just stop. J- just leave me. I've got my number. I'm leaving on the 14th of August, and that's the way that I want it to go. I've made yeah. my decision. Stop trying to tempt me back. We're like, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. Um, but it's still, there's still a wee bit of sort of doubt creeping in. And then, like, my uncle had got to a county hospital for an operation Monday, passed away on the Wednesday. There's a lot of, like, wee tiny things that are, like, um, coming in that'll make me feel a, a tiny bit anxious but yeah. the main anxiety that I've got that really hit me was I went for my worst night out on Saturday and I just thought let, I get steaming Aye. like I went out for two pints at three o'clock in the afternoon two pints and, a, and some grub and the the first pint went down so well the second pint and then the menu came out and I was like fuck the food <laughs> and it was like shots of fucking tequila and everything at like five o'clock and then I was sitting outside at Charing Cross I smoked 20 fags, which, like, early course of the night, which is just brutal. And I woke up and I was just, like, thinking about starting about slouch at fucking midnight and thinking, man, this fucking, this virus is still going on. And I've went out and I'm so aware of everything that's going on around about me on a normal day-to-day basis, living in the city centre, get my mask on and all that. But honestly, man, like, after about two and a half drinks, all that just went to the wall. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm, I'm on well. it, You've been there, what, 15, 10, 15 years. Like, there's also a need to acknowledge, like, you know, the ending of something that has been a massive part oh, of your life, you know sure what I mean? Like, aye. <clears throat> I came home and burst into tears. Aye. I came home, Sean was poor, oh, blah, 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 trying to talk to me, and I was just sitting on the bed and just burst into tears, and she was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, what? This is a big deal. This is this is a big deal for yep. me. Like, this has been a huge part of my life. I'm 37 year old and I've worked there for 15 years. 
It's mammoth, you know what I mean? It's the biggest, even bigger than any relationship I've had outside of my parents and my sister. Yeah. We don't want to make the cause of that, you know what I mean? Like, this is something that's happening, you know, so far, maybe hundreds of thousands of times up in the UK as people go through the same process, you know what I mean? Like, so this is something that is definitely going to be a part of what we need to deal with and get on tap of mm-hmm. as, you know, quote unquote life gets back to normal. Um, I've got a plan as well. Like, this is a mental thing, is that it's causing anxiety. So it's really gave me like, well, I, I said, I'm not going to mention any names of people, but I've been doing um, counselling clients. I think people might have even remembered that back at the start of lockdown, I put out like a yeah, call yeah. to action for people, and I've managed to build up. Like, I think I've counselled 15 people in lockdown. Five of them have left because I've helped them, and the feedback I'm getting <clears> is amazing. But that has really kept me going. Aye. That has really fucking kept me going, dude. Like, see, without that, like I felt that anxiety last week. And then the Monday and the Tuesday, I postponed two counselling calls because I wasn't feeling great. And then on the Wednesday, I forced myself to do it. I was like, no, nah, I need to go and do this today, man. Because one of the guys, it's his last day off of work. And he's getting some anxiety about working. So I really like feel this, like I need to help mm-hmm. this guy. So I decided, right, I'll day two on the Wednesday. And see, as soon as i done the two counselling calls, I felt fucking great. And right. I was like, fuck, man. But I see without that, without helping people, without counselling and doing therapy with people I don't know where I'd have went because it was only like a week that I took off it because of my uncle helped my mom and honestly I felt really fucking shite for it man so no. for people that are out there I mean I've seen um, I seen James Doherty on Twitter saying his PTSD get triggered by lockdown and that he had to take a few weeks yeah. off and Graham Undrunk at the start of lockdown he put a, a thing on, Facebook, uh, on Twitter saying I'm going to take a break and I, I DM'd him and he was saying it's because of lockdown and, and I'll be back and yeah. don't, don't worry type thing but aye man there's so much going on there's so much anxiety there's so much pressure people getting getting asked to go back to work and they don't feel comfortable redundancies on the horizon and I I just to say to everybody like we're all in this together like we are absolutely in this together the um, amount of communicating that me and you have done over the course of lockdown has absolutely been helped because we've got the podcast yep. but just even just general talking and even Aye, as soon as the lockdown was lifted we couldn't get an episode but you were coming here i was coming to you and like that's that's i think this is we need to all come together now and we need to like Aye. back get back that sentiment that we had back at the start of march but it's like we're on this together now we're going back now things are starting to creep in day by day bit by bit we need to get that back again where we're like right Let's support each other through this massive change. I think I mean? in the coming weeks, hopefully people will see that in some of the, the episodes we're going to be putting together because um, we are going to be talking, you know, further sort of via introduction and how people can look at themselves and manage themselves a bit better. Um, and we'll also have a, a really interesting charity coming in to talk about, you know, how to deal with, how young people should be dealing with bereavement better and stuff like that. Um, not necessarily like sexy subjects, but I think like when lockdown started and we talked to, guys like better than zero and whatnot about how people can protect themselves financially and in the, the job market and some of the other things along those lines we're looking to do down the line like this is a similar kind of thing where i think it's probably an important time to actually maybe have a bit of a wider conversation about how we feel how we manage ourselves and you know how we allow ourselves to handle you know traumatic situations kind of like the one that we're all in just now mm-hmm. you know right. I mean? absolutely so what's been like piquing your interest recently as far as like, um, sort of, I mean, we haven't called politics in a wee while, have we? No, nah, well, I mean, I think in the first couple of weeks of lockdown, we kind of 
we're aiming to do a bit of UK roundup, a bit of US roundup, and some you know Scottish stuff. Um, in terms of the UK side of things, like since we last spoke about this, like the the two words that most sort of amply come to mind to me are like corruption and incompetence, and I, and I say that in the sense that. At the beginning of lockdown, you looked at the, the, the Tory government in Westminster flapping and flailing about, and it just looked like they were completely incompetent, you know what I mean? Like, scrambling for any sort of lie or half-truth that would buy them, you know, an extra day's worth of peace in the press and stuff like that. But as they've kind of got to grips with it, or, well, got to grips with it is probably the wrong way to describe it, as they've started to spot the ways in which them and their pals can make money, um, the incompetence seems to have lessened in a certain respect to me and, like, you know, th- things that probably could be classified as corruption have started to creep in. Um, you know, the trace and track up is the big one. You mm-hmm. know, there was something like a £250 million contract that went to one of Dominic Cummings' underlings only for him to spend £12 million quid and come back with an app that didn't work. Um, refused app support for Google and Apple, who have software that works on this, and then when they went to put the rain app together, went to Google and Apple and basically asked for their code and were told, basically, get to fuck. Mm-hmm. And quite, he, well, I rightfully, will. would you say, rightfully? Well, I, they're all, I, well, I mean, uh, who knows, but at the same time, you can't say, we don't want your product, we want your code, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, especially when there's 250 million quid potential on the table, 12 million of that's already gone, and then you look across the water at Ireland and they put together an app for fucking 900 euros, 900,000 mm-hmm. euros. So, I mean, there's, you know, PPE contracts that are going to newly founded companies or, you know, companies that have no experience in the field. Like some of them, well, one of them is like a vending machine operator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a, you know, five million pound PPE contract. And you're like, these are all guys that potentially have links to Tories or, you know, have Tories on their boards and stuff like that. And it's almost as if they've had that three or four weeks to look around, just manage the public as best they could and know they're plugging away with how they're going to capitalise or how their donors and friends are going to capitalise off the back of this, which has been pretty... Pretty disgusting. Um, I it's just Tories being Tories. It is, like, but it's been so like blatant. This is me. This is what's getting me is that they're no. We're, we're almost dealing with like two realities at the minute. We're dealing with the reality that people in the world can actually see on the streets and the shops at their jobs, as we've been talking, and then we've got the reality that the Tory government want us to believe is there, and the two of them mm-hmm. are completely different things. And like you see it in. Even like his recent trip to Scotland, where he's talking about making positive cases for the union, and he's flying up to north one afternoon to talk to Tories to be back down the road in London for bedtime. You know, having unceremoniously binned the Scottish branch office leader in between times. You know what I mean? Like that's no, you know, what I mean there's what they're saying and what they're doing are sort of like separated from each other at the minute. Yeah. You're just like, how has this been allowed anymore? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's absolutely scandalous. It kind of started out about as good as I've ever seen a modern Tory because, like, you get into, like, these... You see people on Twitter or you see people on social media getting into these arguments about, like, they're not conservatives. This is the definition of a conservative. Yeah. Like, but this is the conservatives that we're dealing with, right? So soon we talk about the Tories and conservatives, we'll talk about Boris and his pals. Like, aye. And it started to kind of... capitalist, basically. Aye. I suppose, <laughs> aye, you could, you could look at it like that. Like, um, it started out and March kind of about as good as I've seen a Tory ever be, where 
like you're saying, you're, you're saying they were flapping and flailing and they didn't really know how to respond. So their actual response was about as clear and concise as any politics is in my recollection, mm. where they were having daily updates. They were showing you the graphs. They had the chief medical officer, the chief science officer there. They did the furlough scheme. They promised that it would be unlimited and that there would be a, this isn't even the end mm-hmm. yet. Like they said all the right things. They did all the right things. In my eyes, kind of because they, they were panicking and Aye. also they didn't want panic to. And they also tried to, they also tried to avoid things like furlough and all the, the good stuff that they're getting credit for because, mm-hmm. you know, these were, implemented only when it became apparent that there was absolutely yeah. no other option but to implement them. You know I mean? like, so they did have a bit of gun to their head in a lot of respects, but at the same time, they still made the right decision. When you look Aye. at things in America, they know the right decision is to make similar choices and put you know, money in people's hands to keep food on tables. You know, they've got 43 million Americans that are in risky eviction, but yet the Senate is like, we're not getting these enough fucking penny. So there is other places... Like now that I'm not making those decisions, even where they gun to their head, you know what I mean? Like so, yeah. There is a level of credit for making it, but it's you know there's caveats, man. <laughs> I, I, I suppose um, they they locked us down, even though it was like a week late. They did follow. They, they like I said, they were doing the updates, but as like it was almost like bit <clears> by bit, you just see it go. It was like as the data started to go against them, then the graph stopped. Yeah, as the message for the prime minister or the whoever whatever fucking representative that they will do that day who could ever be bothered wasn't he matching up with what the chief medical and science officer were saying then they went and then the the whole things just went no yep. in scotland we've still got nicola sturgeon i think once a, maybe twice a week once a week is it that she's coming out and gain updates i'm not entirely sure i think there was a kick up about it being daily but i don't know if they've changed it from daily to something else right, at this okay. moment in time what they were saying that in Scotland she'd made it a party political broadcast, and you're like, this is back to that quote where you, you're not really making a political point by showcasing somebody's competency. Like that's no, there's no an agenda to competency. You know what I mean? Like as much as probably events this week will have thrown a shadow of that, with like the SQA stuff and everything. But I'm sure we can, you know, we'll, get back we'll, we'll to t- that. We'll touch on that. But I, it's bit by bit, it's just went, and now, like you're saying, they've went back to their party political politics, and yeah. they've went back to. Like, well, look at Scotland. I mean, by my standards, and obviously, like, there'll be people out there and they'll be like, well, you're at independence voting left-leaning. Yeah. Like, you, you, I, I check all the boxes for saying that I think the performance in Scotland, outside of, like, some very, very, like, disturbing stuff like the care home shit. Care homes definitely need to be looked at we, everywhere in the UK. But we've performed pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think we were that far behind London the old lockdown was probably appropriate, but maybe England could have went a week or two before us even. But we've done stuff at the right time, and we are now sitting in what, and I'm suppose I'm sure we'll talk about Aberdeen. But yeah, there are spikes. The, the um, we're sitting in what day thirteen? We need deaths, or like need new deaths, and a bit new cases coming up. I think new cases are starting to abso- definitely spike. Absolutely, but I think we've done about as well as what we could have expected. Um, I think we're justified in saying that, we're, that the Scottish government were right not to ease restrictions and locks out with Westminster. I think that is undeniable, even based on the limited evidence we've got so far. Um, but there has obviously been pressure both sides of the border for businesses, and, and we get it, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, But I think Scotland were definitely better placed, given 
the reluctance to ease as quickly as England did. Aye, um, absolutely. But they're still they're still trying to point score with certain aspects of this. Like they're saying, they've, they've even reduced themselves to like point scoring with the fact that she's doing an update and yeah. saying this is this is like their, their party political broadcast yeah. that's turning into a... And because the results are positive, you're getting this like, oh, look at all the yesers and look at all the SNP like just jumping on this and you're like, no, but I think we've got a genuine case to go, we've done no too Aye. bad. As we say, outside of... There has been some of the lunatic fringe online who have been turning it almost into like a scoreboard and that's no acceptable. Um, you know, we're not going to make a case for independence by slagging people off because they had male deaths and others had male illnesses and others. So there's, sure. there's definitely a line that some have crossed. Um, but in, in general, like, the disconnect for reality has very much been on the unionist side. I mean, he's left this week um, after, what, five, six months, Jackson Carlaw. And frankly... Don't even I, know who the guy is. <laughs> like, that, that's how irrelevant the guy I, is. I, I, I thought he was a troll like for weeks. Thing. I fucking see the back him because he's, he's, you know... What he was bringing to the table was swivel-eyed fucking nonsense. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? He's one of these guys like, you know, how the Tories dealt with track and tracing, with tests and all these types of things by just constant disinformation. Um, Carl was very much in that bracket where, you know, he was very much in lockstep with that tactic to just know, talk about what's actually happening and just speak to your base. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am glad that he's getting to fuck. Um, Douglas Ross, who knows? We'll wait and see. I don't think it'll make a lot of difference at this point. Um, and that video that's <clears> been doing the rounds and I suppose on stuff like this that isn't COVID related, you're like, I we can politicise the, the sort of 60 second answer video that he did for YouTube. Yeah. And they were saying what would be the first thing that you do if you were leader or what would be your top priority? And he was like, tougher measures on travelling gypsies. And you're like, what? That's like, the most you, important thing. That's the most right important thing that you can think of right now. Like, we've just, we're coming out the tail end of a global pandemic. The second wave might be on the horizon. Aye. Economic disaster, like job losses like we've never seen before. And the one thing that this dickhead comes away with is tougher measures for tra- for gypsy <laughs> travels. What I like, I, I suppose, like, apologise for quoting the guy verbatim. But, like, I, I genuinely, I was genuinely disgusted with that. Oh, I absolutely. Like, absolute, what a fucking arsehole. Um, <clears throat> and... I look forward to him maybe one day meeting Nicola Sturgeon in the, in the chamber because I that's if he gets elected. I thought he was an MP. He is, but he needs to be obviously an MSP. Be the leader in Scotland? Well, not necessarily be the leader in Scotland, but the Tory leader in Scotland. No, absolutely. You know but I, mean? I didn't know they could appoint him the leader of the Tories with him just being an MP. So I and think so this, I, generally you would expect some sort of internal election um, but I think, given how unceremoniously Carl Law will have been binned when Johnson made his flying visit last week, I mean, you seen the picture, and it was like Johnson, Douglas Ross, um, and some other Tory, and then there was like three guys like socially distanced behind them against a wall, and in the very far corner was Jackson Carlow. You know, like that's the British Prime Minister in Scotland with the leader of the Scottish Party hiding in the back of the photo. It was actually quite comical, so it was like, Aye, so the, like it can't be well thought of anywhere. It's like the playground, mean? isn't it? It's <laughs> like politics is like the playground. I'm gutted that um, What's-His-Face gets uh, get banned for uh, the sexual assault charge because he was right cosy with fucking uh, Boris and uh, he might have been on a shout at getting the leader of the Scottish Tories. The guy for Aberdeen, which he's... 
Oh, right, aye. We DM'd him and tried to get him on and he declined. Don't have my phone. I don't have my phone. Um, oh, the power, the power of the aye, laptop. Aye, on that. But aye, I would have loved to have seen this guy um, coming up against Nicholas Sturgeon because mm-hmm. he was an absolute clown. But aye, I think what we've seen has just been Tories being Tories. I mean, there's, like you're saying, there's been charter companies created and dissolved within a week and taking contracts for whatever COVID-related thing. Yep. Um, and we were talking about potentially there being like an anti-profiteering thing come in. No chance of that. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, not at all. I think as well, if you want to talk about like the Scottish context and, you know, Tories being Tories and that sort of disconnect for reality, like I think, especially in consideration with Aberdeen, like, the, the guy's smart, which I'm sure is a misnomer after this comment, was that, Nicholas Sturgeon was walking Aberdeen down to mm-hmm. distract for the fact that people were unhappy with the exam results. And, like, I think the Labour Party are on a sugary peg in Scotland as it is. Um, I don't know that the right thing to be doing is to be, like, engaging senior members of your party in, in this, you know, country to talk such utter nonsense. Um, it's like levels are like. Aye, it's like almost trying to like create conspiracy theories, which is like pure trumping. Do you know what I mean? It's like, hmm, is that the right take? Is that the right tact? It was Ross Thompson, the guy's <clears> name was. Aye, I was going to say Thompson, but I wasn't sure. Um, but aye, to, to think that Aberdeen's getting locked down, I mean, it's two weeks since the pub's opened. Like, let's have a bit of common sense about you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and no, like, jump to silly shit, like, fucking not doing this to distract. I mean, the SQA scandal in itself has been I mean I've not really seen too much detail other than some numbers about, yeah. um, about disproportion like Martin Dunner results but I, I don't even know why they did it so the thinking as I understand it is that without the ability to successfully hold exams during Covid teachers were asked to mark you know, in accordance with prelims and with like coursework and behaviour okay. and attendance and such and such. Um, in the particular demographics that are being like disputed or, you know, sort of brought to the public, it seems to be the disparity between sort of higher and lower affluence areas and the, the schools that are in them. So, in the way that teachers mark them may have been over generous. And had they went, or what Nicholas Sturgeon said at a press conference was that had they went with the results as teachers gave them, pupils in, you know, quote-unquote deprived areas or whatever it is would have attained hires at like 85% when Mm -hmm. the year before the average was like 60. So they were saying like teachers have potentially been over-generous based on coursework and blah, blah, blah. Um, So what they did was they took previous data on results for previous years and use them in a moderation process to bring the figures back into something that is like what they've said more credible um, and people have been after that because as a result students for lower income areas uh-huh. have been disproportionately affected by the markdown because they were the ones disproportionately affected by the potential markup right now year on year the figures for higher attainment this year, after moderation, was 65%. So that's still like a 5% jump in attainment. And that's probably quite a sizable figure, to be honest with you, if, mm. if it was a normal year. Um, but people are saying, and, and they are right in saying that students with 
disadvantaged areas, so to speak, have been marked down in higher numbers because of previous year's averages and stuff like that. Right. Um, I'm not really sure what else they could do. I mean, Jeanette Finlay made the suggestion that on Twitter that they should have copied the colleges and said that no harm, that apply a no harm principle that says if you've got a B in your prelim, your overall result will be no less than a B. Uh-huh. Whereas actually what was happening was students that get A's and their prelims were getting C's in their results. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Which doesn't make sense. Just like, it, it, it's a weird... So we, uh, even if you were to just go, look, we trust the teachers and... Yeah. We give that this year has had probably... I mean, can you imagine what it's like at 15, 16, having to go through what we've been talking about like less than an hour ago? But how difficult it's been for yeah. us to cope with mentally, and that these, these people, have, there's kids in many respects, but the teenagers are like having to cope with that and with like all the negativity, yeah, like job prospects and people waiting to go and do university, mm-hmm. record levels of mental health problems. Why could we not just give a year of but 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, yep, a buy for so, fuck's sake, give them the mark they got in their prelim, aye, so. I do, again, like in principle, kind of agree that that's a, a valid question to ask. The problem is, is that we're looking at it and we have to, and we have to know, look at it through the, the sort of lens of COVID because I, it's happening right now, but unlike furlough where I'm out of work now, they're giving me money for now, like mm-hmm. your education has to go with you the rest of your life and it has to be the same education that the guy in the year before you go and it has to be the same education that the guy in the year after you go right. and like going let's give everybody a buy this year means that next year or people who were there the year before might be disadvantaged in terms of their ability to apply for courses because somebody get an extra two A's that they shouldn't have got and somebody else missed out on a course because right. the balance is off in terms of so obviously that five percent jump could be quite a big figure. I don't know what the year-on-year figures are, you know what I mean? Like, but it's certainly probably more credible than 25-30% jump, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing is that... So I, I'm with you in the sense that fairness should have said, look, you've got a raw deal, let's help you a wee bit like we've done in other areas of society. But this is one of the very few areas of society where the permeation of it is like, Wide, widespread. You know what I mean? It'll affect people on either side of the year that go, you know an easy ride. Know that I'm saying that's what they got. I'm just saying quote unquote easy ride, you know what I mean? Like so I it's a tough balancing act. I liked the no prince the no harm principle that Jeanette talked about. Beyond that, I, I didn't see a lot of so other like suggestions. The no the no harm would be that if you get a B like you said in your prelim. But they they do bring down the average. So mm-hmm. if you get a B in your prelim and you got an A they'll take you down to a B. Yeah you'll get no less than a B. Right. So you'll no be like, negatively impacted. That would be it. Like, Seems like a bit of a common sense one and, and Jeanette is a really experienced educator herself, you know what I mean? Like, so I would you know, without knowing the ins and outs of it myself, I'd be inclined to trust her opinion and it seemed reasonable, you know what I mean? But beyond that suggestion I didn't see a hell of a lot of other suggestions for folk as to how to like manage the aye. discrepancy, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, um, so it is a tough one. I think they were going to get absolutely hammered either way because had they walked out and went, guys, 85% of students in impoverished and deprived areas passed their hires. It's a 25% jump on last year. The press would have just been like, you are having a right. fucking laugh. Yeah, so between a rock and a hard place for it, really. 5% to 25%, like, it's, they were getting 
nailed either way. I reckon. What? That's not to say that they've no handled it well. They've, they, they, you know, there is probably areas where they, they could have done a lot uh-huh. better. Like, what will be interesting to see is what happens in England. Like, Aye. so if they follow the same sort of precedent that's been set by the SNP, then the unionists are kind of like, where, where do they go for there? That's that's when stuff gets interesting. And usually you find they just contradict themselves. So they have different education systems in England in mm-hmm. terms of... And what are they plan to do with the exams? absolutely no idea at the minute. Right. Um, but I'm sure we'll find out. There'll, there'll be similarities, I'd imagine, but I think there is a, you know, different policy making for education either side of the border, you know what I mean? So I can't imagine they'll be likely to copy and paste what's just been absolutely rinsed, but who knows? Mm-hmm. They, they, they must have, or their equivalent of the SQA must have contingencies in place at this yeah, point. Man. You know what I mean? Like, um, <clears throat> but I, it's one of them where I, I just don't think they could win. You know what I mean? like, um, do you think they... they do you think there's anything like that bad about what they've done? I mean, when I I, I kind of scanned it last night and I didn't read it enough that I could explain it to mm. anybody. And here I, I might but not I, be explaining it right. I'm I, just going on my impression. It, you know what I mean? Like, I've, I I th- I was kind of like saying that to Sean, where I was like, "Well, what should they have done?" And she was like, "I've getting mm, well." When I explained, this is my understanding of what's happened. I was like, "What's the alternative?" She's like, "Hmm." I don't know. Yeah. And I was like, well, aye, that's exactly it. People are going, oh, you can't do that. And it's like, well, what do we do? Like, we don't know. Aye. But I think like, aye, the, the way that Jeanette, like Jeanette's suggestion seems like there's one end of the spectrum that people, the, the stance that I took there, which I've actually changed to think that, aye, that's, they should have went down the Jeanette's suggestion. Mm. Absolutely. If you don't give them any law in their prelim, then... Aye, whatever. It's you know actually I mean? based on a level of merit, at least at that point. Surely the, Even the, if there is moderation mm-hmm. involved. Surely some of the exams like, still exist. You could have moderated the exams, like the prelims. You... Aye, so I think as we were saying, when we talk about trying to touch on what's been going on in the UK, what's been going on in Scotland, what's been going on in America, and I think, you know, I've ranted about Tories and, you know, their corruption and incompetence enough at this point. I'm going to give myself an aneurysm. Um, I think we should maybe, like, lighten the mood by talking about, like, the ongoing race war in America. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Aye, man. Some, I, I mean, obviously we had two galas for BLM Scotland on, which was, got a lot of good feedback and stuff, but don't know, like... Really enjoyable guy to talk to. Aye, absolutely. Like, I think the, the protests that were happening here and the protests... Some of the protests that we've seen happening in America has just been, I mean, they're like oh, night and day. Yeah. Absolute night and day, like... But, I mean, I don't even know what to make it. I, I genuinely don't know what to make it. I think there's been absolutely, like, legitimate Black Lives Matter in the wake of, like, George Floyd being murdered. There's been people that have been out there legitimately looking for, like change yep and there's another sort of section that are just looking to just stir the shit i don't know where they come from i mean there's a lot of rabbit holes about it about like what the source of them and like George army. exactly like antifa and, and that sort of chat but i genuinely like don't have that much in a just looking at it and like pure what the fuck is going on out there Aye. i don't think we're even getting tell the full story about some of the shit that will be happening aye i mean it's been a, a sort of as it has been everywhere else a turbulent six months um earlier i think in terms of the protests like as we were saying with barrington that 
you know, when you look at Watts and LA, when you look at Minnesota and all the rest, it's something that's been coming back around time and time again because, you know, change is promised and never delivered. And, like, I think for the people who are out in the Black Lives Matter movement protesting on that ongoing basis, like, I can absolutely like, empathise with why because, you know, every time they step off the gas, it gives politicians the excuse to start dismissing their demands again. So mm-hmm. I think at this point they might feel they need to keep the pressure up. And <clears throat> if it wasn't for the fact that they were up against a crackpot president, they might have actually made some headway. I mean, look, I think one of the biggest flashpoints at the minute is Portland, um, where against the requests of the Portland governor and senators and, you know, um, sort of state governance mechanisms has sent in the federal troops, um, which is, again, pretty authoritarian, to say the least, when the governor's out on the TV going, we don't want your troops, and he's sending them in anyway. Um, you can see what his ongoing response to this is going to be, so uh, it needs to be met in some respect. So I've, I've kind of like looked at the Portland one in the last week or two and, and like seen... Quite a really like interesting evolution. A guy was reporting um, video threads, uh, the various sort of skirmishes and clashes and stuff like that. Right. And uh, there was a really cool story that came out of it. As federal police were being sent in to smash up protests, the moms, you know, the American MOM, the moms formed a war with their orange, with their yellow, uh, yellow t-shirts, and all the moms of Portland joined arms in front of the police right. to stop the police for assaulting. The hangar, which I thought was actually really quite cool, seeing these wee old deers being like, Does it work? well, partially because then the federal tactics evolved to, um, you know, drones and stuff like that, um, to get a look at people, well, not to attack people, but right. to like start, <laughs> like, no, to start like facial recognition, you okay. know, mapping people, like, looking for suspects, etc., etc., um, to which the Portland protesters responded with laser pens. So every time a drone went over them, this just like, you know, Pink Floyd-esque like, light show just goes up in the sky at this drone so that it can't make head nor tail of right. what's going on, Genius. which I thought was, again, a nice sort of evolution for the protesters um, to adapt to, you know, what was being put against them. Uh, and the best one by far was that the, the feds then started showering tear gas in to the crowds. Nice. Um, and that's not the best, but obviously that's, you know, horrific when you're talking about grannies and peaceful protesters. Um but what I loved was the response to it because the next night all the same people were back in the same place ready to protest again, but this time they'd broke leaf blowers. So there's this like amazing picture of the feds showering gas canisters into this crowd <laughs> and guys stoning with leaf blowers <sighs> and the cloud of gas is almost perfectly encapsulated in the area that the federal police are stoning. Oh, what? So man, that's awesome. There's just been this like pure, almost the like Looney Tunes, like kind of like, escalation for like grannies to leaf blowers and you're just like, this is how you deal with them. This is how you make them look ridiculous mm-hmm. and unnecessary and, you know, no engage in the violence and I'd love to see a lot more of that because if they're going to be increasingly sending federal presence into these cities to like quell discontent, people are going to have to be on their toes exactly like they're in Portland. But aye, man, absolutely. Aye. The rest of the place is a bit of powder keg, though, I think. Aye. The election that Trump's trying to put off that even Republicans laughed at the notion um, he's slagged off paper ballots to then go back on them and say that they're actually legitimate. He's claiming all sorts of election fraud before you know a ballot's even been posted. Um, 
Aye, he's, he's is, completely lost his shit. I mean, he, at one point he was actually stoning at a press conference talking about how nobody likes him. And you're like, he's he's like completely lost his shit. He's he's definitely a Rangers fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nobody likes him and he doesn't give a fuck. Um, I think he's also one of their sponsors. Um, aye, pro- aye, he is actually, fuck's sake, the, the, the golf course. Like, the interview that he did with HBO, like, last week... Oh, like even a couple of even days in ago, the last few days, the last few days, just shows you like the insanity. Like this is how this guy has made his money. This is what this guy's done his full life. It made him a reality TV star. He's and he's a ignorant idiot. He's sitting with fucking stats about how America's number one in the amount of tests. So Aye. if you look at the testing that we've done, and it's almost like how they've had less people die than the rest of the world. You're like, aye, we've got less people, less people than who? The world, the world, and in, com- like, in comparison to the world, aye, like, yeah. you, you do know that you're you're in the world. <laughs> or is, is he in the world? I don't think he is, but yeah, I think he's lost it at this point. Um, I was talking like a twenty point gap in the polls to Biden, and Biden is like the color beige taking human form. You know what I mean? Like, by his VP choice just, is going to be very very interesting. Mm. Um, I mean, we were talk, we were we were hedging our bets back in in March. We were saying that hopefully we could pick somebody like Yang, but it looks more like it's going to be a Kamala Harris or aye, somebody a bit more mainstream. Mm-hmm. But, it'll but be he very is interesting a, to see. He is Mister Mainstream. You know what I mean? Like he'll still look to aye, give himself a bit of flavour with either a woman or somebody of colour or whatever. You know what I mean? Like because. That's going to be his, you know, centrist nod to the left of the party with these AOCs and, you know, Elmar Omars and all that kind of stuff. Like, they're rising in popularity by the day and, you know, their ideas are not just restricted to guys like Bernie Sanders anymore. So, mm-hmm. like, the Democrat party in there has to have a nod. But that's what it's going to be because they are too, like, the Republicans and how they're set up. You know what I mean? Like, it's never going to be anything more than you know, lip service in a lot of respects. Absolutely. That's what the vice presidency is. I mean, it's like, pick somebody for a part of the country where you don't do well and put them on your ticket so that you do better in that part of the country. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, um, it's literally like, Biden's just, whoever comes in as VP's got to use that guy's a puppet. Like, have you seen any of the footage of him in the last, like, couple of days where he's like, there's there's a video where the guy, he's almost like, doesn't he know where he is? Aye, there's... Like, what the fuck is going on? But in a sense, it's going to be good old-fashioned gaffes that we get from him, you know what I mean? Like where, you know, if he makes it to president, the worst we really need to worry about is him sounding a bit daft every now and again, you know what I mean? Like maybe being a wee bit too touchy-feely and cuddles, which he's also notorious for. Um, but aye, when you compare him, like, his, his, his campaign slogan at this point is basically, I am not Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Uh, like, that's really the only campaign pledge he needs to make at this point, and he should, you know, he should win. You know what I mean? Like, but I, even, you know, there's been quite a, a spike in, like, Republicans against Trump. I've followed a few accounts on Twitter and stuff like that. Where uh, even Republicans are like, right, the price is too high. Like, they've been in their wee partisan trench for the last three and a half years, four years, mm-hmm. and, you know, they've, you know, for the good of the party, the good of the party, and now they're like, well, hold on a minute. This guy could make them unelectable all across the country for the next decade. You know what I mean? Like, mm. So, be interesting. The, the, the funny one I think's quite uh, is going to be a laugh for the next big laugh, and the kind of like Armando Anucci sense is the 
Trump accepting the Republican nomination. So because he's, you know, our rallies have been curtailed and his public appearances have been limited and like, the only place he gets the adulation that he requires to get by on a day-to-day basis is by holding these big, massive fucking rallies. <laughs> um, so like half the places are like <laughs> empty and shit? Well, well, I mean, he famously got trolled by K-pop fans a couple of months ago um, where they went on and bought so many tickets or purchased or, you know, whatever, signed up for so many tickets online that Trump thought he was going to speak to like a million people in this you know, whatever, 40,000 seat stadium to the point where they put a stage up outside, booked Nigel Farage, of all people, to come and talk at it. Oh, was he there? Ah, he was there, exclusively <laughs> wow. to talk at this outdoor stage. And then when they got there, the car park was empty and there was like 1,500 people or whatever waiting to get in. And the whole thing was a complete disaster. But this was like K-pop fans deliberately tro- trolling Trump. Yeah. So it was amazing. Um, but now, because he can't get that, he's campaign guys are looking for any opportunity to put him in that type of situation because that's where he gets to be his best version of himself as far as they're concerned and um, as a result they're going to try and basically hijack the accepting the the nomination of the Republican Party because he's a sitting president I kind of think at a time if it's ever happened that somebody's primaried a sitting president um, so he is the he is the candidate yeah. there's no fanfare involved in it mm-hmm. there's going to be like him and a, it should be him in a rose garden going I accepted the nomination today, guys. Cheers. Uh-huh. But what he wants is like a football stadium full of people, and you know all this nonsense that will allow him to actually like feed his own ego. Um, and like, I the Republican establishment are like, get you to fuck. <laughs> so that one's going to be interesting. So as like where he's going to have to try and seek out these scenarios to validate his own existence yeah. when nobody anywhere wants to play along with him. The Republican Party are going to end up finding themselves in a similar sort of place where Labour find himself in this country where they're going to need to do a hell of a fucking lot to get elected again after this. This has been... They have the benefit of gerrymandering all across the country and stuff like that. Um, so it's slightly harder in that respect. But like in terms of credibility, aye, it's a fair comparison. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. the actual mathematics that they've put in place over the last 10 years are quite hard to overcome in a lot of places, especially at local right. levels. You know what I mean? But aye, they should be completely toxic for the next 20 years after this. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about a two-party system. You know what I mean? Well, the pendulum always swings back sooner or later. Aye. I suppose just the right candidate again. Aye. So, like, what have you been What have you been watching recently? Like, what's been on the... Well, I mean, it's been a bit of a weird one because there's no really much in the way of new stuff out. There's no new movies, not a lot of new TV because a lot of shit, you know got suspended when the, the lockdown kicked in across mm-hmm. the world. But like a lot of the folk online, I've, I've been re-watching stuff. There seems to be like a, a few conversations I've had with folk where they've went back to old shows that they loved and, you know, there's maybe been that like comfort and nostalgia and like not having to really engage with something that you already know. Yeah. Like that's definitely been something I've been doing. Um, I burned through like 30 Rock a couple of weeks ago, like, oh, seven man. seasons of 30 Rock. That's your pure, one of your like all-time favourites, I think. <laughs> but again, it was just this pure comforting like light world that Tina Fey creates that I'm like pure this is the escapism that I need right now you know what I mean like, um, I got a wee bit braver as locked down my own and like started watching some Fringe quite enjoyed that didn't age as well as I remember to be fair um, I was going to ask about 30 Rock like how's it aged? Aye it's, 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 right. it's good I, I still think it's excellent like, I just you know there should be a law passed in America that means that Tina Fey just, just has to write like 30 minutes that mm-hmm. comes for the rest of her life just chain her to a desk somewhere and I'd be quite happy you know what I mean like, um, 
Aye, it's just zany, it's all your thing. But the skit comedy is something we don't really get uh, as much in the UK as maybe in America. So, you know, the Saturday Night Live thing, the comparison in 30 Rocks there, but I don't think it's something that people really engage with. So having the it all fleshed out the way she has is definitely like... Mm. It's I've definitely never ever watched well. that. It's, 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 it is zany and it's, a, it's pure... Almost popcorn, you know, bubblegummy American comedy, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like, but there is, it is well written and well put together. Um, so then I, um, but then I went down the JJ Abrams hole, watched Fringe, I've been watching Alias. Um, the one that stood out to me was like folk who are watching classic shit for the first time. That's been enjoyable to see people talk about. Um, there was one that's fucking Mark Kermode, you know, one of the, the most renowned, like, TV and film critics in the UK was tweeting about how he'd just finished watching The Wire for the first time and I was like like dude how have you never how? seen The Wire like I've never seen The Wire it's it's amazing like it's one of the ones like Sopranos and West Wing that right. if you've never watched any of the three then like just pick one and start you know I, what I, mean? like, I started watching re-watching The Sopranos last but 10 days ago and I'm at like this is what I hate about re-watching stuff I'm at like episode 7 of season 2 in like 10 days I've watched a full season and a half like The Sopranos and just I mean it's I think there there must be something in that psychology or like just pure comfort because there is something pure comforting when like the theme tune comes on you're just like pure right bedding in but I like I need to watch The Wire Um, I've watched The West Wing and I've watched The Sopranos this will be like the fourth or fifth time I've watched through The Sopranos but I I watched through Friends as well Start to finish, Parks and Rec. Which is Rock Theory, Trent. It was real nice, wee bouncy, happy thirty minutes sitcoms. Like I did Community at one point. Mm-hmm. I'd never watched Community before. That was a uh, that was cool as well. Like, but I'm getting seriously into The Sopranos again. Like it's so good. Um, after watching the the Mafia documentary on Netflix, I can't even remember what it's called. The recent one, mm-hmm. Mafia versus New York or something like that. Aye, um, is it Dot City or something like that? It's called. I can't remember. I think it was actually called Ma- Fear City. Fear City. That's the one. Um, aye, after watching that, and then start that watching was Sopranos. That was like, the actual control that the mob had over New York in, like, the 70s. I mean, I knew that there was, like, rackets in, like, every walk of life, mm-hmm. but when you're seeing them actually go, no, like, garments, meat, like, concrete, like, you know, everything was run by the mob until we actually went, right, Get used to fuck. Simmer down. You know what this what I, mean? I was, I was, I, I was talking to um, somebody about this, and I was saying to them like they overstepped the mark. Like they had it good. They, they could have just went legit. They could have. They had control us so much. They could have done what Trump did and just legitimized everything Aye. and just stopped killing and stopped the violence and stopped the drugs and stopped because they had control of all the construction. And they were building new. I mean, the amount of money that they made uh, in the seventies and eighties. Yep. It's it and the the tens of billions probably the amount of cash that flowed through that. that would that hang say there was eight concrete companies in Manhattan or operating in Manhattan, and five of them were run by the mob. Mm-hmm. And you're like, think about how much concrete went into building Manhattan, and you're like, Holy I mean, shit. that's like one of the pure instant like licenses to print money that you I would have never thought of in a million years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but what absolutely. Does, what does everybody need? Everybody needs but concrete. There's a scene in The Sopranos where when he goes back to Italy and somebody lets off a firecracker 
and like the woman like runs up and the big guy Furio like sparks her out and they're like bat on the wee guy. And I was saying to Sean, that's what America was like. Look at what like Tony Soprano's like thinking, this is what I want, mm-hmm. because this is like the good old days. He's like pure yes, get me these guys out of America. I was like, New York used to be like that. Like if people complained, they get a fucking slap and Aye. the police nothing to do with me like drove away walked away <laughs> and that is literally like the Sopranos is like a continuation of watching like what was Giuliani and that team of people like wrapping up and going yeah. name any of this but Faye what you're talking like the 40s the 50s the aye. 20s even when started they started in the 20s do you know what I mean that had like been the 60s, 80s, parts aye. of like people used to say that Times Square was like prostitutes and pimps and aye, shit and like go there. drug dealers and aye. nowadays it's like the pure tourist attraction first stop in New York. I mean? aye. The the wire in that respect like is kinda like comparable. I've seen the Sopranos, loved it, but there's a real like grown up level of writing and like storytelling involved in it. And like I think the testament to the Sopranos is that there are some like really unlikable characters in it. Oh my and, like, god! You root, fuck for, you root for every single one of them. You want them to six. You want them to get away with that shit. You want them, and like the wires got that in <laughs> pure spades as well. Like characters like Omar and that, where the guys essentially like a nineties like ghetto cowboy. So he is like he's gay. <laughs> he's like openly gay. Like he's you know they're rinsing drug dealers for their stashes and stuff like that. And it's there's just. The thing about the while that's different to your average cop show is that it's no the story of a precinct, it's no the story of a police officer, it's no the story of a drug dealer. Like across the entire five seasons, it's like the story of the city of Baltimore, where like, the first season focuses largely on the police, but like the second season, the story is largely based out in the ports, and then in the third season, it's largely in like a kind of political sphere, and right. all these stories and characters are interwoven with each other as it builds and grows, but, like, the actual main character of The Wire is, is essentially the city of Baltimore, and, like, the level of writing in it is just half the scale. Like, I did struggle in the first couple of attempts to watch it with, like, the language because, you know, there's accents and, like, speech patterns that I was just, like, pure... I, I just kind of relate to this to start uh-huh. with, but I think once I get by the first couple of episodes and, like, go my ear in and go to, you know, where the threads were and where they were moving, like... I, I couldn't put it down. It's like, again, right. it's, it's up there with I've surprise. watched the first two episodes of The Wire three times. Aye. And never get past the second episode, so I might just force myself This is the it, issue that I had with it, was there. the first couple of times I tried it, I was like, I, I, you know, this is... Aye. Game I, of Thrones was a lot for me, but people were like, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones for ages, and I was like, right, I'm going to need to go back and start. I think I started watching it like season five, and I went back and I watched the first two or three episodes of Game of Thrones like four or five times, and I think it was Richie that was like, like just keep going I was like right cool and then you get like seven episodes in and you're like pure fuck right? I can love where if it's like two or three episodes let's like, say something goes it takes two or three episodes to get going I'm in the reason I've never watched something like Breaking Bad which will obviously maybe send people mental is that people are like oh like season three gets amazing and you're like I'm not watching two and a half seasons or something <laughs> before it gets good you know what I mean like, come on now like, so that was the one that always put me off. I know I should always go back and watch it, but I, I've never seen it either. Of the big ones that everybody raves about, I've never. I get through the first season and was like, I don't really want to watch that this exactly guy like, die of cancer while his wife's been a bitch. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly <laughs> what I did. I've watched the first season of Breaking Bad twice, Aye. and I kind of get past it. Maybe just start it season two. Just be like, I know what happens in the first Aye. season. I'm not going to start it again. I'll just start it season two and just Maybe. see what happens. But I, I think like. 
I'm I'm going to make a conscious effort to ramp down the amount of TV that I'm watching, mm. man. It's getting like I've had to break it up a bit with, with gaming, um, just because of the amount of time I've got. There's only so much gardening and walking that you can do when you're locked in, or when you know it, it eases, and you know you've still got the way in at home and all these other things. So I I've definitely been keeping my brain engaged with like puzzly games. I went back through like the Batman Arkham games. I've been I've been absolutely loving. Um, Jedi Fallen Order, like the storyline and like the combat system and everything is like really engaging. So it is like so I running about with a lightsaber and like chopping shit up has been fucking at least six weeks in my lockdown. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sounds I, good. I, 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 you need to watch in terms of the telly because there, there has been times where I've just been, as you say, hunkered down and just fuck let that whole day passed aye, like man. watch a full season of something in one sitting and being like pure right okay hold on you know what I mean so I variety will we just wrap it up there then I, I think, think so we've, mate we've covered we've got, a fair amount eh? we've got plenty right? aye man good. it's been good talking to you man especially getting back in definitely it's been a a long time it's, uh, finding this strange actually <laughs> surreal I think is, a wee bit but is, we'll hope. have our first guest in at the weekend um, which will be good um and I hopefully we can just get back to normal really and talk about man. I mean as much as possible. Anybody that we're talking to or we're going to be talking to if they want the remote, then we'll do the remote. It's no sure. it's no the end of the world, but I hopefully we'll do it. You'll never reach the surface, you live underground. Sky fire comes around. The steering falls to the ground There is panic on the streets A blackened sea full of shuffling feet Sky fire, can't you see? You can try but you won't break me Choice who gets to roll the dice You'll never reach the surface You live underground Sky fire comes around When the steel ring falls to the ground There is panic on the streets A blackened sea full of shuffling feet Sky fire, can't you see? You can try, but you won't break me.
streets A blackened sea full of shuffling feet Sky fire, can't you see? You can try but you won't break me